you're listening to I Might Be Wrong, a podcast hosted by myself, Rich Needham, and my co-host, Henry Salmon. Welcome back. You are listening to I Might Be Wrong. I'm Rich. I'm Henry. Hello, Rich. How are you doing? I'm all right, mate. How are you? I'm well. I'm well. Good, good. It's cold. I have a cup of tea. It's all a little bit stayed here. <laughs> I'm hoping this podcast can can light some fires. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Uh, lighting fires is definitely an appropriate one for the band that I've brought today. Uh, who are the band that you brought today? <laughs> <laughs> that was smooth. It's almost like we hadn't practiced that at all. I have brought the Hives and I've brought, weirdly, a compilation album called Your New Favourite Band. But there's a reason behind that that I'll get into. The Hives. And you know what? I That was going to be the first thing I was going to blurt out because it is a compilation album. And I was going to say, wait a second, what are you doing? Because they, they've got a back catalogue that spans quite a few years. And so, yeah, that's... A strange choice, but I'm sure you have reasons. I do. But let's talk about the band first. Yeah, go on. Give us an introduction to The Hives. So The Hives are a Swedish punk rock band. They emerged in the early 2000s during that sort of garage rock period that was all kicked off by, basically, by The Strokes and all the bands that followed The Strokes. They're a bit garage rock, but they're not really, really garage rock. I'd say they lean more punk than garage rock, but they're lo-fi recording style puts them in that same bracket i guess for a lot of people yeah but sticking the punk moniker on them is is totally right all their songs are kind of under three minutes i think it it feels like anyway when you listen to their album and pretty much they've got a kind of well tell us about their kind of style because they do have a bit of a style don't they yeah so you have to dig back to when they started to understand where this comes from so they claim to have started in 93, but actually all of the members of the band were in a previous incarnation that started in 89. But when they became the Hives, they shifted their sound and also came up with this persona for the band and for themselves. So the members of the band are Howling Pella on vocals, <laughs> Nicholas Arson on guitar, Chris Dangerous on drums, the Johan and Only on bass, and Vigilante Karlstrom on guitar. <laughs> Their original bassist, who was with them until 2013, is Dr. Matt Destruction, which I actually think is the best name out of all of them. Sadly, he left the band due to health reasons, not because they had a massive falling out or anything. And they have said, you know, they'd love to have him back if they ever could. But this whole thing was spawned by this idea that according to a biography of the band they attracted the attention of promoter manager and songwriter randy fitzsimmons who propelled the band to fame he's the guy who writes all their songs he's the genius behind the band and he's this mysterious puppet master that gave them all their names and all this kind of stuff now he's almost certainly a fictional character because the enemy dug in a bit and found that Randy Fitzsimmons is a pseudonym registered to the lead guitarist. Right. Awesome. <laughs> I, don't, I don't care that he's fictional. I love right. it. So they insist, they absolutely insist that he exists as the band's songwriter. And it's this classic Hives myth creation. And this is the thing about the Hives is they almost feel like a really tongue-in-cheek version of a like a modern monkeys where... Yeah. 
the monkeys were actually a band that were put together by a record label to meet the requirements of an almost an american beatles and the hives are an actual band that have created a mystique around themselves of being a created band and they i'll get into them live but they they do so much of this brilliant overly bullish posturing thing that is incredibly tongue-in-cheek but because they're Swedish they have that Scandinavian ability to just deliver it completely straight-faced and it's a very slick delivery as well not just in their their musical style which I'm sure you'll come on to but the artwork for the band the way they present themselves the way they dress yeah it's all kind of very smartly packaged and I think if you tried that nowadays I think people would just go, it's almost too cynical. It's just like this kind of almost corporate cutthroat style. But I love the way they did it back then. It was a a proper breath of fresh air because the Strokes turned up and they were fucking cool. Julian Casablanca's was cool, right? Yeah. And these guys turned up and they're they're not trying to be cool. They're trying to be slightly, well, they're the hives. (laughs) This is the thing, though, is that you're absolutely right about the Strokes having that sort of loose devil may care, don't give a shit, coolness. Whereas the hives have got this tongue-in-cheek, taking the piss out of themselves, also don't care, coolness to them. And it's it's different aspects, but it's equally as effective. And I love it. And I, I think it could be done today, but it would need the right people because this is genuinely coming from the band members themselves. This is them having a lot of fun with it. And I think you need to have someone who's genuinely very smart very clever at being a prankster to pull this off what do they sound like because that's a little bit it's a bit easier to define yeah they're very very good lo-fi punk rock yeah poking fun at things in the world and people and it's very smart punk rock it's not overly shouty and aggressive it's more snide and clever yeah if you like heavy rock if you like punk rock you've probably already heard of the hives you probably already like the hives but they are they're one of those bands that for me that straddles brilliantly the musicality with also the aggressiveness of punk yes yes and that's where i think they sit perfectly it's loud aggressive drumming it's jaggy guitars that cut through the music but the bass lines are really melodic and clever and Pella's singing style is it's on the verge of that shouty atonal punk but it's not you can tell he can sing yeah I feel like the style is a bit like he's just had one too many coffees and he's just bouncing around the room and it's just all a little bit mad. He's had one too many espresso martinis because there's an excited drunkenness to this as well. Exactly. It's, and I I love that. I mean, yeah, we'll we'll go into some of the songs, but some of their delivery, especially I love the, some of the backing singing, just have this kind of just yelling at the microphone in a really happy way and you can kind of tell that they're all smiling when they're doing some of yes. these these tracks it's like they're, they're not you know they're having fun and it does make you smile i've got diorite going around uh, in my ears right now and there's a all right in the background of that and you're exactly spot on like you can tell they're having an absolute blast doing it yeah so okay we've we've we've, we've jumped into the the, the compilation and dial right it clearly is is one but let's let, let's go back do you want to start with the album do you want to start before that 
I want to comment on one more aspect to how these guys got popular and why I've picked this compilation. So they were already fairly well known in Sweden because they'd released two albums before this appeared called Vini Vidi Vicious and Barely Legal that came out in 97 and 2000. And this compilation, Your New Favourite Band, basically picks out the best of those two. And the reason behind that is that Alan McGee of the Oasis created, you know, Britpop, blah, 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 whatever you want to, however you want to refer to him. He saw them performing on German TV and realized that they could potentially be really big in the UK. And so he signed them to his new record label that he'd just created at the time and basically needed something that he could put out to the UK market, right? and that was this compilation. Now, I'd been trawling through a load of new bands trying to find something rock-heavy, because at the time we'd just come out of all the Britpop stuff, there was a lot of very poppy music around, and I'd found that it was very hard to find, at least in the mainstream, stuff that was just straight-up guitar rock. And so I'd found this, and... You know, obviously, hate to say I told you so is the track that I found first. That is probably still my favourite track of theirs. Walked all the way down to FOP in Bristol from Halls of Residence in first year to go and buy this album. Awesome. For me, that's why it has to be this compilation because this is central to why I love the hives and how I found the hives. But I can equally understand the German TV appeal thing for Alan McGee in terms of him seeing them perform because both their live performances and their videos are brilliant. If you watch the videos for the songs, and we'll dive into a couple of songs as we talk through the album, but their videos are very stylized as 1960s, again, going back to the Monkeys Link videos that, again, caught the appeal and the attention of people who are starting to watch videos on YouTube or whatever the equivalent of YouTube was back then. I think it was... Did YouTube exist at that point? It yeah, would have been one of those. It did exist, yeah. But you could find those videos online and watch them. And of course, people just sending links to the videos. So that was one of the big drivers of their semi-cult appeal to start with. Because I don't think they really hit the mainstream, certainly not in the same way as an Oasis or a Blur would have done. Yeah, but there was a bit of a kind of cult feel to them. They hit the airwaves. Radio programs picked them up pretty quickly. Well, Pella himself said, being punk rockers, we were paranoid because we wrongly thought UK popularity would be intense but short-lived. So we were determined to make the most of it. Becoming an overnight success after seven years in a band is such a fun experience. The first couple of big shows in London felt like every famous English person we knew was there. You know, Gallagher's, David Beckham's and Jarvis Cocker's. <laughs> it felt like stardom in the movies, like everyone famous is into the same thing now. And... I can imagine that happening, but again, I don't know that that really translated... Like, they were on top of the pops. I remember seeing their videos come up, but they they weren't at number one for weeks at a time. It wasn't the same as the Britpop guitar band's fame. Yeah, and it's the interesting mix between the way they stand up and go, we're awesome, and then you have a band like Embrace when they were running around going, we're better than Oasis, and it's like, well, you're actually not that good, but you write some brilliant (laughs) songs, great albums, but you're not the best band in the world. But Embrace did it with a very straight face, and these guys did it with a big grin, and they totally pulled it off better. 
Well, this this is the thing. They do it with a straight face, but you know that there's that slight... You know when someone's winding someone up yeah. and you can see them winding up and you can see like the sparkle in their eyes? That's what you get from these guys when they're talking this way. And they do do that. They, they talk about themselves being the best band in the world. We're going to talk about them live, but I'm going to jump to this briefly and then we can go into the, yeah. the album. I remember the first time I saw them live was at Leeds Festival in, I think, 2002, maybe 2003. And they were on mid to late afternoon on the Sunday. And following them were a number of very big bands, including Muse and Foo Fighters. And this was Muse as they were hitting, what, that second, third album point where they were really, really starting to get massive. Brilliant. And Pella comes on stage and they rock out for a song and then they stop and he walks up to the microphone and goes... So, we are the Hives, we are the band that you're here to see. Everything before us was the appetizer, everything after us was dessert. We're the main event, we're the main course, we are the reason you are here at this festival. And you can see this thing of people who know who the Hives are, pissing themselves laughing <laughs> and you've got a lot of other people being like who the fuck are these guys but he continued that sort of energy and tongue-in-cheek stuff throughout the set so even people who are a bit cynical when he comes out with that to start with are like oh no actually these guys are just having fun yeah. they're dicking around they're not being serious and that's part of the fun of seeing them live he just does it all the way through the set it's wonderful yeah i'm i'm a big fan of if you're gonna chat to the audience especially at a festival then yep gotta have some fun have some energy because the number of times you yep. see bands at festivals and they're like uh we're so and so uh yeah it's like oh, come on buddy you're you know but these guys do it they've got that yep. presence absolutely i do think there are some bands who feel obliged to do the banter even though they're crapping their pants and so that's part of the problem is that they're just they're not the kind of people that can do banter and that's fine but then just don't do the banter just get just on with it up. and say thank you after each song exactly. So I do have a link with the Foo Fighters who headlined that night. Apparently Dave Grohl is now a fan. Really? So the Foo's dressed up as them for a Halloween gig and opened with Hate to Say I Told You So. I think after that, the Hives made contact with the Foo Fighters and were like, hey, so we hear you're a fan of our band. And Pella has apparently thrown up in Dave Grohl's house one New Year's whilst wearing a hat made out of a wolf's head amazing and i don't know whether that story is true or not but i love it so who cares yeah but you can you can completely imagine the the two of them getting on quite well i would have thought oh yeah absolutely well dave grows another loves to do tongue-in-cheek silly things i mean you've only got to watch a handful of foo fighters music videos to get that impression yeah exactly so your new favorite band tell us about it yes it opens with hate to say i told you so which is just an immense way to open an album it's big crunchy guitar riffs it's pounding drums the video is brilliant so when i mentioned tongue-in-cheek 60s style this is the perfect introduction to those videos as well there's a moment midway through where basically everything stops for a bass riff in the middle of the track and this is classic hives and classic hives videos because lead guitarist has jumped in the air ready to hit the next oh, note yeah, after the bass this. riff yeah. and everything pauses apart yeah. from the bassist and they've got yes. this sort of like visual bits of animation of the bass guitar noises and all this kind of stuff it's very, it's very fun and then as he finishes his bass riff the drummer and guitarist both come back to life and they do the freeze on stage as well. It's known as the freeze. Oh, they actually do it. Oh, yeah. that's awesome. Because I've not seen them. So yeah, I kind of wondered if they would do something like that. And it makes sense to. So yeah. Oh, great. 
I genuinely believe this is one of the best punk rock tracks ever written. It's insanely catchy and I never get bored of hearing it. Well, the, the riff is instantly recognisable, isn't it? Yeah. There's only one band that play that riff to open a song. It's, you know, it's the hives. Absolutely. And I don't know that it's a massively original guitar riff. And yet it's so instantly recognisable. Yeah, it's... um great way to open an album it is indeed and then that's followed up by main offender which is another brilliant track it's got a sneaky bit of a bluesy swing to it which i only really noticed when i was listening to this from a kind of musicality perspective Mm. to try and get a feel for it this is another video that got attention but for different reasons do you remember why uh no remind me so you'll remember this as soon as I mention it. This was the backing track for an advert for Argent Provocateur that had the one and only Kylie Minogue riding a red velvet mechanical bull. Oh, that one. Yeah, I yeah, remember that and one. I, <laughs> it was shown in cinemas and... That's right. I think it was... Basically, they got told they couldn't show on TV. That's right. Argent Provocateur is the most erotic lingerie in the world is the tagline. And it gets to the end of the bull riding sequence and there's this old woman sitting watching the whole thing and Kylie Minogue struts up to the screen and says, so, all the gentlemen in the audience, could you please stand up? Yeah. No. And the, the, the woman in the background just starts laughing and goes, nah, I didn't think you could. Yes, I remember seeing that in the cinema, actually. Yeah, and it got, it got a good old laugh. I remember that. Well, yeah, very good. And again, wonderful piece of music, works really well with the advert and the sort of tongue-in-cheek nature of it. It's got a great hook, again, as you'd expect from them. Drumming's brilliant. The vocal delivery on it, it almost sounds like he's shouting it through a megaphone. If you don't, like, hate to say I told you so, you probably won't like Main Offender. If you've got these two songs into this album and you're left extremely unmoved by any of it, don't don't bother with the rest of this podcast, the rest of the album, to be honest, because you're not going to like The Hives. They, Just move on. They are who they are. Exactly. <laughs> I'm going to jump into Dial Right. Yeah, so, I love this song so much. <laughs> it's classic punk, railing against the corporate machine. So the lyric, I filled my pockets, now I might as well die, is fantastic. It's great. And I just love, we've mentioned it before, but the backing singers on this it's just great i don't know what it is about them wailing around in the background but it just completely works it's got bags of energy the song's got an exclamation mark in the title it's great (laughs) yep untutored youth you fan of this one um it's not one i'd keep coming back to really i am a big fan of the shouty onslaught in this yes it's it's a bit higher tempo than some of the other tracks and I, I don't think it's very long. I think it's like two minutes long. But I love the, would you like a lemon or lime with a piece of advice from Mr. Oh, bit? Yes. <laughs> yes, I forgot about that bit. Yeah, And the stabby guitars. Yeah, it, it's ballsy. I mean, you, you mentioned the track length is short. Mm-hmm. The album is less than 30 minutes long. Right, and it's, it's got... It's 12 what? songs. It's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's nuts. One thing that I do think that Untutored Youth shows off that you don't necessarily notice as much in some of the others is they use space and silence very well Foo fighters do this as well where they'll just take a gap so there's bits in here where it's just him and his voice shouting at the microphone basically before they get back into the music yeah and it it works 
brilliantly, brilliantly well. Yeah. You've got this sort of moment, particularly a lot of their music, I think, is designed for the live energy that it can bring to a gig. So this is another one where you can imagine having people shouting along to the spoken word bits and then going fucking nuts in the mosh pit to the bits where the jaggy guitars are going. Yeah, and you can only pull this off if you've got bags of confidence. It's that type of band where you can allow yourself to stop all the... Well, I guess actually thinking about it, less confident bands would cover themselves with music and they don't. He can drop every single instrument and just yell at people through a microphone and he's got the confidence to carry it off. Yeah, loads of confidence, loads of charisma, great voice to back it up, great punk voice to back it all up. That track then drops into Outsmarted, which I fucking love. Yeah, me just too. The opening riffs on this are just wonderful. Yeah. It's it's more loud, it's more shouty, so much energy that you just find yourself bouncing or at least nodding along to them, whatever. And the drumming in this is relentless. Yeah, uh, yeah, well, the... The album doesn't really, at this point, it hasn't really let up at all. It's just, <laughs> it's just like kind of kicked the doors down and run in and yelled at everyone. <laughs> that's exactly what it is as an album. But it doesn't need to. And I think that's part of the joy of short track times, short album length. It means that it is a fast-paced blast through these tracks. Madman's another one. You'd think loud and shouty would get boring by now, but there's a shift in tone on this one that keeps it interesting. And it's sort of really menacing. So the bass and the cymbals at the start of this really work well to sort of bring this, I don't know, slightly menacing negative energy to it. Yeah, although I wouldn't call them a menacing band. It's just the, the start of a track, which kind of get, creates an atmosphere, but they're they're not a scary band. They're not, but this track is a bit more just pure fury and anger rather than mm. tongue-in-cheek poking fun at stuff yeah and then you go to a-k-a-i-d-i-o-t which is hard to say but he sings it loudly and quickly so you know <laughs> kudos to him for that <laughs> pulls it off. this one's sneakily poppy in terms of sensibilities and the melodies in here lots of noise but brilliant mosh pit madness live big fan yeah it's got that cool guitar hook that kind of introduces everything of this and just carries on throughout. Yeah, and at this point, you're probably, what, barely 20 minutes into the album and it's about to finish. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah. hello. And it does finish in a slightly odd way. So The Hives of Law, You Are Crime, another brilliant title. Yet again, tongue-in-cheek. This changes tone again a little bit, and I think it's the only instrumental track I've ever heard from them, but it's more of a cross between the strokes and the jam rather than a two-minute punk affair. And like you say, that's 12 songs in 28 minutes. Yeah, and that's it. That's the album. It's a bit of a bit of a blast. What about further albums? Did you stick around? Did you watch their progress? Yes and no. There wasn't anything that grabbed me and made me listen to it over and over and over and over and over and over again like this first hives album album compilation did yeah my first hives experience tyrannosaurus hives has (laughs) some brilliant tracks on there so abracadaver walk idiot walk and two timing touch and broken bones are all absolutely belting tracks that i i love yeah walk idiot walk sounds a bit like a stones track that they've just kind of jumped in into a kind of stone session and started like stealing their music <laughs> uh, and i just yeah i've got to call it out tyrannosaurus hives i don't know what it is but i just 
I can't help but laugh when I hear <laughs> that album title. It's just <laughs> crackers. It doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, I don't know why. I don't know why this again. And it's another one. I bet they've done this on purpose because they're again a second under thirty minutes on this album. Another twelve songs, probably. Did you get into this album? Because um, I know you were a Hives fan at uni as yeah, well. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed them. I listened to this album. I kept on. To be honest, I did what you did and kept on going back to the compilation because it's brilliant. But yeah, it, it's it's good fun. I played it a few times, but it's not um it's not going to go into the classic back catalogue. Yeah, and then the black and white album. So tick tick boom was the track that got really big on that. It was I think used on maybe on a World Cup theme thing the following year. So it came out in 2007. Obviously, it's 2008 was big football tournament year. Yeah, and I think at this point, that was the opening single. But really, it's just more hives. It's If you love their stuff, you're going to carry on loving it. And if you're getting a bit weary of them, then, you know. You say that a lot of hives fans went off them around this album because they said they were getting a bit too commercial rock more than punk and there is more of a slickness to the production work there's higher fidelity of recording that maybe put some people off so you got it all dot 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 wrong is a track i really love but it's definitely more of a hard rock track than a punk track in terms of recording and style yeah i've just got to jump in and say that I think probably in the early 2000s, I kept getting the hives and the vines mixed up, I think, when they started <laughs> off. Um, so I don't think you're the only one either. Just to put it out there, anyway, we're probably not going to do a, and I might be wrong on them, but The Vines and Highly Evolved is an album worth listening to, it, which is in kind of the same, a similar genre. I could see us doing a Highly Evolved track. I, I, love, I love that album. It's absolutely brilliant. I don't know that it's on my list, but... I might have to go back and listen to it now that you've mentioned it. Yeah, anyway. Uh, Did you ever listen to Lex Hives? No. This, I think, was a self-released album. The track Come On is one that everyone will know. It was just everywhere when it came out. Uh, And then there's a track called Thousand Answers, which definitely has sort of a Ramones influence thing, and I really like that one as well. But again, this is an album I never really got into because... I guess like a lot of these things, the first album I listened to, that sucked me in. I got to know it really well. And then everything else just starts sounding like a bit of a facsimile of that first album. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, fine. Let's go to the live presence of the Hives. You've seen them. Um, You've already mentioned them at Leeds. Have you seen them? Is that the only place that you saw them? It's not the only one that I've seen, but it was obviously the first time you see a band like that, you're sort of blown away by the musicality, the showmanship the bullishness and the the humor it just came across incredibly well and it it was funny just watching an entirely bewildered festival crowd (laughs) two-thirds of whom probably didn't know who the hives were because you know what it's like when you're at a festival and you're watching a band mid to late afternoon a lot of people are there because they're like oh i've sort of heard the name of the band but i don't really know anything about them or if you've heard two tracks from them and you just want to see what the fuss is about but yeah, just absolutely wonderful. Apparently, obviously they used to claim to be the best band in the world, but they say about it, we'd get into fights on our first tours because we said we're the best band in the world and a crowd member didn't agree. Or, and it was often the same people, because we'd played too short a set. Right. So that just proved their point. If we're not the best band in the world, why would you want us to play longer? Brilliant. I've seen them since. So I went to, in fact, I saw them only about, 
three or four years ago. I went back up to London because Queens of the Stone Age were doing uh, not Hyde Park, one of the other parks. Victoria gig. Park? No, the one up in North okay. London. But they were one of a, a large number of support acts, including Iggy Pop, ridiculously. And they, they were just as good. They had the same energy, the same vibes, the same humour. You know, they played more of the newer stuff so i didn't recognize every track they played but just hilarious so much fun the crowd was so into it everyone was just laughing at all the jokes rocking out to all the music moshing along it was it was brilliant it was just a wonderful wonderful day and he did his usual thing of like we're we're the main event here we've put on some bands later so that you can enjoy them before you head off home but we're we're the reason you're here you'd have to be a real misery guts not to appreciate a high set i think yeah you can see there'd be a few people in the crowd grumbling but it would be very difficult if you're a neutral yeah you must watch them and go at least they're having fun and they're trying to get everyone going that's part of what you need in a in a crowd they are probably one of the top live rock bands i've ever watched because of the energy they bring because of how well they can whip up an audience into enjoying their set you just get this incredible atmosphere and yeah, I would I would go and see them anytime I get the opportunity to. Fair enough. And it's not just the lead singer either. The rest of the band all are proper outgoing showman types that play their instruments with a huge amount of panache and skill. They're brilliant. Yeah. You've not seen them live, you said. No, I, but I, I have watched some of their live performances and I've listened to them as well. I listened to the, some of their live work on Spotify and... It's very accomplished in a way. It's it's like they're as you say they're they're talented musicians and a lot of bands who are full of energy, especially punk bands, when you try and record their sound live, it's a disaster because they're jumping up and down and they just they they miss their notes, they miss their cues, and it's not good. But these guys are professionals, right? They they realise that underneath all of it, you need to record some good music to to get recognised. I don't think you can be a punk band and go for 30 years without being top-notch professional musicians yeah at least by then you could probably learn how to play so (laughs) but yeah what about influences i think they were a big influence in terms of pulling me into that more high energy punk sound yeah so i don't know that i was ever massively into that as a teenager my parents weren't into that kind of guitar music their stuff was more the Beatles, Paul Simon, Simon and Garfunkel, The Stones maybe. So there was never that driven, heavy punk rock type stuff. And I think listening to The Hives got me into, oh, it's not just noisy shouting. There's there's musicianship here and there's ability. And so I think that probably got me diving in more to some of those classic punk bands that I hadn't really listened to as much. Fair enough, yeah. Yeah, you, any influences or were they just, you know, you were already into the loud shouty punk, so I assume not. Yeah, this is this is stuff I I love. So they were just another, and that's probably why I didn't recognise them or get so excited about them so much because it was like, yeah, I, I get this music. I'm kind of into it. So um, whereas a lot of our, our friends were, made a big deal out of it whereas i was like well yeah there is cool music around like this so but yeah well worth hunting down yeah so go listen to them enjoy their music and uh yeah we'll see you next time for some more loud shouty rock quite possibly it's my pick next and you never know (laughs) cheers buddy cheers everyone 
Thank you for listening to another episode of I Might Be Wrong.